0: Wow, it is so good to be here with you and worship this this guy and this worship team Amen. <laughs> Amen. this guy's unbelievable right. I'm a little disappointed though that uh because I've heard that he can lead worship from the drums and this morning with no drummer, I kind of thought he was going to go back there and lead worship from the <laughs> drums, but he's become so comfortable on the guitar that he just uh, feels uh, he he, he He's more comfortable here than the drums now. What will 10 years do for you? Brandon, thank you for for leading us this morning into worship. It's a privilege to get to be back with you. And no, I am not Jay Mathis. Some of you last week got me confused with Jay. He's a lot uglier than I am. I know people get us confused. They think we look alike. But I'm a lot slimmer. I'm a lot more athletic. I'm a much better, much, much, much better uh, well, no, he's a much better preacher than I am, but it's good to follow up Jay Mathis and I'm not him, and I, I think, you know, we're just, we're just both bald, uh, middle-aged white guys and we look the same. <clears throat> this morning, I want to throw out a question to you. Uh, have you ever been a part of a church conflict? Probably if you've lived longer than, than, than five minutes, you have. How, how did that end for you? And and I think sometimes if you have been a part of a church, in and out of church, we find ourselves in these disagreements with the body of Christ. Now then, some would think that there doesn't need to be any conflict or any disputes or any struggles within the church. And although that's true, I think without conflict, there's not bonding that takes place. And And if, though... The enemy could try to steal, kill, and destroy a good thing. Wouldn't he get you all kind of a little bit confused on this issue or this issue or this issue and and try to get you in dispute? One of the things that seems evident, this, this now is my fifth time to be with you guys, one of the things that seems really evident is there's an incredible unity And I think the reason there's an incredible unity is just like any dispute within a church or other issues, church members really need to pursue that with with humility and with truth. And there seems to be a humility among this church and a commitment to God's holy word and his truth that follows what God would want. And I think if church members can avoid gossip or arrogance then one of two things can happen I mean if they avoid it jerk growth can take place and handled correctly the old saying of oneness doesn't equal sameness can take place when handled poorly conflict can cause a church to break apart splintered or there can just be lots of deep wounds and grudges that take place in my 20s, I served on a staff. Uh, I was doing youth ministry in Temple, Texas. And we were given, basically given a parcel of land. We bought it, but it was at a really reduced rate, right on Adams. If you've ever been to Temple, it's kind of the main street that's grown out that direction. And it was right near where Wildflower Country Club is, but more in, in West Temple, and the church that I served was sort of in a, 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 not a downtown area, but a midtown area, if there is a midtown in Temple, Texas. And, and I have never been a part of a church conflict like that church conflict. There were some who wanted to relocate. There were some who wanted to build a Christian school. And there were some who wanted to relocate and build a Christian school. And then there were some that were, were, were convinced that they needed to stay put. And it got ugly. All of those are good things. Staying put was a good thing. Building a Christian school was a good thing. Building a Christian school and relocating the church was a good thing. All of those are good things. But it became such a dispute that people started campaigning and getting their group together and saying ugly and mean things about this person and this person and taking cheap shots. And I've never sat through one of those church business meetings like I did on a Wednesday night there. It was ugly. And from that, there were a lot of hurt things that took place, and people began to leave. And that church has split, and then splits upon splits, and then splits upon splits. And it's really interesting. Out of that came Central Texas Christian School, but it's not associated with that church. What's interesting is now, 35 years later, West Temple has just exploded. There are subdivisions, there's houses, there's where they would have been located was within a half mile of a huge Walmart. And there's all kinds of, they would have been right in the center of what now is communal life of the Temple Belton area. I don't know if they made the right decision or not. They decided to stay there, but it sure did cause lots of difficulties sometimes it's over whether you need to relocate or stay sometimes it's over theological issues you have the calvinist and the arminianist and they're 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 trying to figure out who's right and the, it, it creeps into a local church and a bunch of us local yokels are trying to figure out what theologians have wrestled with for for centuries and yet we think we're going to come to a right <laughs> understanding of that. Or if you live long enough and you were in the 80s, it was over being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you were really spiritual because not only you did you receive the Spirit of God, you also got the, the gift of tongues. But if you... Others of us that believe there was just one baptism in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that when you got baptized, when you received Jesus, baptism was just a symbol of that. And there was a huge controversy in churches. Or maybe you've lived through the worship wars. Whether there needs to be an organ and choir or whether there needs to be uh, a worship band. I see who won on that one here. Maybe it's church governance. Should you have Elders or congregational polity. Crazy enough, LifeWay research discovered that one of the biggest conflicts in churches is when the corporate worship time is changed. And often that time is only changed from 9.30 to 10. Or you have two services. But isn't that interesting? One of the biggest Struggles among churches across America is when you change the time, and it, what happens is you, 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 you lock in to this is my position, and the list could go on and on and on, and, and, and what happens is opposing sides remain at odds, and they lock in, they dig their heels in to the biblical interpretation of what is right, and we believe from our personal standpoint that I have a responsibility to be the defender of truth for my camp. And if I've learned anything from almost 40 years in ministry, it's that oneness doesn't equal sameness. But unity in the body is essential. This morning, I want to stay in John chapter 3, where we were last Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3, and I want to take a look at a development that took place very early in the ministry of Jesus, and it was over a ceremonial practice, baptism. So this morning, from John 3, in our question series, we will think about how questions can lead to arguments how questions can often lead to arguments my hope is that this sunday that god's spirit would just pour fuel into the fire of oak grove baptist church and as you are praying and eagerly anticipating hoping for a new pastor to lead you into a a new vision and a new direction of which an old pastor did such a great job of bringing a vision of, of oneness and unity, my hope is that as a unified body this morning we'll understand that oneness doesn't have to equal sameness. We're different members of the body and we all have a role to play. So my hope is that through John 3, The Holy Spirit will instruct us this morning. So let's pick up in verse 22 of John 3. Verse 22 says this, John 3, 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John, who was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. And an argument developed between some of the John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one who testified, uh, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing, and everyone is going to him. To this, verse 27, John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete he must become greater and I must become less. Last week, we determined that, that God's not intimidated by our questions. In fact, we're just religious enough to be miserable. And so, God often welcomes our questions to draw us in and to himself, like he did Nicodemus. However, this morning, sometimes, Our questions get formed in a way that we think we know what is right and we miss it. And so our questions lead and can often lead to arguments. So this morning, let's take a look at these three things. One, what caused the dispute? Two, why do people dispute? And then three, I want to look at lessons learned from our disputes. And I want to do this by examining an argument that came from the question of ceremonial washing, or in this case, baptism, and who administered it. Look at at verse 25. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. The first thing I want to look at this morning is what caused the dispute, an argument developed. So, before we go any further, it, it's really important for you to understand the struggle spectrum. And I want you to see the struggle spectrum. On, on, I think I have it on the screen. There's a gentleman who wrote this. Uh, that there's just a huge difference between a mild difference and I'm going to sue you. Sam Sam Keltner, in his book called "The Management of Struggle," helps us to see. The distinction between a mild difference and a disagreement even. And you can see on this, this screen that it moves from a mild dis- difference to a disagreement to an argument to where you, you really start debating and you, you choose your position to where you move from that to where it becomes a campaign and you rally. I'm going to get all of these, these teenagers on my side so that we can go against you on your side. And then it can even lead to an all-out a fight, and if you're not cautious and you can't think through that, then it becomes a litigation. These guys are going, I'm suing these guys because they're not da 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 and they didn't da. And then it becomes about policy, and it becomes about being right, and you'll look for every angle you can to bring litigation. In our text, an argument that really was originally about ceremonial washing somehow led John's disciples to aggressively move this up the spectrum to almost a campaign to see Jesus as a rival. So it moved from just a a, a, a disagreement and a mild difference to this this fight to this this campaign also that we, can see from this text that there are three disagreeing perspectives about baptism that caused the agree, that that, that, that caused the argument the first is the jewish ceremonial cleansing the second is john's baptism and then the third is jesus's baptism so you've got these three different perspectives but john the baptist followers they they want to compete and compare and ratchet this up several notches and take it down the spectrum. I knew a seminary professor who would say, if someone is on the right of an issue and someone is on the left of an issue, chances are both of them are wrong. And if they would pause long enough To hear the voice of God, respect the voice of the other, they might get to see the breadth and depth of God in a way that they've never seen before. Look at the text in verse 25. An argument developed. This wasn't a mild difference. It wasn't a disagreement. It was pretty ratcheted up on the, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. It escalated quickly away from the Jewish ceremonial washing to that man over there, which just happened to be Jesus. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who over there on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you testified, look, look. They, they were pointing fingers. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Look, can, can you believe what he's doing? He's going against everything that you taught us. How, how could he? He's baptizing. And, 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 and everyone, uh, everyone's leaving being a follower of you, and everyone is, is going to him. From their challenging comments, it's it's very obvious that they had more zeal than discretion. Let let me make a note here. Truths and principles about God have often suffered because of the, the brashness and the immature believer that had more zeal than wisdom. They dove into the deep end before they were ready. When I had the privilege of serving Baylor University as the interim chaplain for two years, I got a phone call one day from a gentleman in Dallas, and he was hot, and he started telling me that his sophomore son that was in his second semester of his sophomore year had been going to this small group, and they were studying Scripture, and the Scripture challenged them to sell all that they had and give it to the poor. This eager sophomore in college sold his Tahoe, sold his queen-sized bed, sold all of his furniture that was in his apartment, sold his clothes, sold everything to give it to the poor. And the dad's calling me going, what in the world are you guys teaching them at Baylor University? Don't you know and realize he didn't buy that Tahoe? He didn't buy that, that, that bed. He didn't buy that furniture. He didn't buy those clothes. How does he think he can sell that? And, and why are you guys, and I said, whoa, whoa, time out. And I backed him down a little bit, and we started realizing that this came from a very zealous As we tracked it back to a church, we tracked it back to a very zealous small group that had a really, really zealous leader that had only been a Christ follower for about six months, and he didn't understand the context, (laughs) and this young man didn't realize he didn't own that stuff. His father did. If you fast forward a couple of years, that young man then had to go back and buy a bed and buy some clothes and find transportation. (laughs) And and as I walked with that dad, it was a good learning experience of, of our approach to life. And sometimes we can be more zealous than we can wise also noteworthy that all of us want to be the hero of our story. We, we want to be the one that, that goes and, 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 and saves everyone in the project. We also need to be right. And John's disciples wanted to be change agents. All of a sudden, they felt competition as followers of their rabbi with these followers of this rabbi, and the competition caused them to bow up. The Message Bible in James 4 says, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours, and you will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. Your spoiled children, each wanting your own way. What caused this dispute? I want to say it's about baptism but I think it sure seems like there's more to it. Point number two, why do people dispute? Why do people dispute? Interestingly, two of three of these perspectives in this text derive from selfish motives, yet all three firmly believe they are standing up for what is right and best for God and his work in the world. How can this be? How can God's people miss it? Let's dive deeper into the text by looking at why these three different groups of disciples were in conflict. First, let's look at the the Jewish perspective. Their ceremonial cleansing or, or these various purifications like immersion had taken place for many centuries within the Jewish culture. So baptism generally in the New Testament was not an unknown concept for the Jews. The Old Testament mentioned a number of situations when ritual purification is required. The purification ritual is generally a water-based ritual removing impurities. Sometimes for the Jews, it was just washing of their hands. And at other times, it required full immersion The origination of the word baptize or Baptist, like is in your church name, is baptizo, which literally means to dip or to plunge or to immerse, fully wet, not partially wet, not sprinkled wet, fully wet. For the Jewish purification process, the, the oral law that had been passed down requires the use of undrawn water either from a natural river or spring or, 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 or a stream, or it could even be rainwater collected into a mikvah mikveh, or a special bath because this was natural water that was given to them by a holy God. And the Jews often referred to it as living water. This process of purification had been used and passed down for generations. So the Jew would say, why change? We've always done it this way. There's no need to change. Why do people dispute? Well, one, one reason is they're just not willing to change. Then you had John's disciples who believed a a, a slightly different baptism so when john came along with his his simple yet radical message of repent it was a radical turning from sin that was inevitably became the 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 fruit then of of righteousness when you move towards the rightness of God, the symbolism of John's baptism had its roots in this Old Testament purification ritual. Keep in mind that baptisms had also been administered to the Gentile proselytes that had come into Judaism. So for those who were within earshot of John's Powerful message of baptism, of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, as, as Mark, the Gospel of Mark described it, it offered a, a radical hope in the Messiah to come, in the rightness to come. So it's easy to see why John's disciples were the aggressors in this argument. They believed in what was taking place that came about from what jesus was doing look at verse 26 rabbi that man who was with you on the other side of the jordan the the one who testified look he's baptizing and everyone is going to him everyone everyone's leaving what we're doing and trying to be a part of And they're trying to be a part of something over there. The guy who who baptized is now trying to create his own thing. He's not one of us. It quickly became us versus them. Why do people dispute? Pretty simple. Competition and comparison. I, I, I say it often. That most of life comes back to the junior high lunchroom table. Who can sit with me? Who can't? Why they can't? Why they're welcome? Why they're not? And it's at this point in junior high, we start learning the process of oneness doesn't equal sameness. You hear it often. But everyone's doing it. And then ad nauseum, you hear parents say, well, everyone's not doing it. If everyone jumped off of a cliff, would you? And so you begin to realize that in our comparison, we can find our uniqueness. And when we find our uniqueness, the competition and comparison can be kept in check. And it can actually, the competition and comparison can help push us to grow but unchecked it becomes destructive when john's followers came to him in a panic and 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 said look what over there is doing what you do and everyone's going to him i i love john's immediate response in verse 27 look at that he says a person can receive only what is given them from heaven You yourselves can testify that I said, basically saying, hey, hey, don't you remember me saying? You you yourselves can can remember me saying, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. And and I, I appreciate your zeal, but you're missing a key concept in your argument. Don't miss the details of what has been told to you. Hear everything, not just what you want to hear. And it is in verse 27 that John takes them back to Jesus' baptism. Or our third perspective to look at. The third, this brings us to our third point. Lessons learned from our disputes. Lessons learned from our disputes. Let's look at it. John the Baptist, a man who had been taught from birth that God had a specific assignment for him. Remember his mom, Elizabeth? who had been barren and then was told of John, a, a son was, who was to be named John and had the highest calling of to prepare the way of the Lord, to make paths straight, as Isaiah's prophecy and was fulfilled in, in, in chapter 40. John, and I think we can learn that when our minds and our lives match God's mind and our thoughts become his thoughts and we're a part of his story and his plan like Elizabeth had taught John, we begin to fall in line and these questions and these disputes begin to grow us and develop us. One might assume all of John's life from his mother Elizabeth that he had been hearing the illustration that he uses in verse 29. It's an assumption, but look at verse 29. He uses this visual. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. Consummation took place. It's complete. The bridegroom comes forth from the bridal chambers and with joy, he tells his friend, we are one. We are officially husband and wife. What God has joined together, don't let humanity separate it. It's as if John the Baptist is saying, now everything that has been told to me all of my life is actually playing out to be accurate. That joy is mine and is now complete. But John felt neither threat nor jealousy when his disciples tried to stir up this argument. Keep in mind, all of his life, he grew up with Jesus. And he knew his role and he knew Jesus' role. He knew that oneness doesn't equal sameness. We can be secure in our role if our mind matches God's mind. We can also learn from watching how John handled his disciples with this argument to step into and lean into and have the hard conversations, Put your ego aside and and have a crucial conversation that may be tough to have. There's a little contemporary business book that has circulated around the last five years. It's sold over a million copies. It's called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. And it suggests that crucial conversations should occur when there are opposing opinions, Strong emotions, and the stakes are high. I, I believe that churches, and not even churches, but also probably marriages, can can learn a great deal from from this little book. That it's it's important to lean into and to and to have these crucial conversations. These these hard conversations of of trying to figure out what this person's saying and this person is saying so that we can grasp the mind of God. Lean into the crucial conversation. Lastly, I believe that we can learn that being righteous doesn't mean I have to be right. It means Jesus becomes everything. It means that if we want to be a true follower of Christ, if we want to be a true disciple of this rabbi Jesus, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Follow him with the unity and, and, and oneness of a church body. You see, that keeps a zealous sophomore in college from selling his father's Tahoe and all of his stuff. If he would have sit down with you guys, many of you would have given him great wisdom and gone, did you buy that stuff? You can't give away what's not yours. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ coming together and having crucial conversations. Righteous people, <laughs> righteous doesn't mean we have to be right. It means that we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and allow Jesus to empower us and change our lives. John the Baptist said it in verse 30. In verse 30, underline it, star it, circle it, memorize it, but more importantly, this week, let's live it. Look at verse 30. He must become greater, and I must become less. Say that with me. He, he must. must become greater. I, I must become blessed. Let, let's, let's try that again, but with, with some, some passion and some emotion. He must become greater. I must become blessed. Oh, what a mantra for Oak Grove Baptist Church. As you seek a new pastor, as a new pastor comes among you, Jesus must become greater Oak Grove and your new pastor must become less. John the Baptist, in the healthiest sense of being righteous, says, my tribe is going to fall away, and and I'm okay with that, because God's kingdom is far more important than my ego and my importance. (laughs) He must become greater John the Baptist says, and I must become less. You know, everyone wants to be popular. Every one of us have egos, and we want our egos stroked. We gauge our importance by our followers that we have on social media or the likes that we get or when we make an argumentative comment on social media and we think we're becoming an influencer. We all want our posts to be heard and liked, but in the end, So what if I'm right on social media? Am I really having an impact on the kingdom? Or do I really? So what if I win the church argument of whether the service should start at 8 o'clock or at 1 o'clock? In the end, I can be right and I can miss it. And if I miss what God's doing around me, then I've lost. Let me kind of try to wrap all of this up by summarizing. Here's some lessons from this dispute and what we see about people in our disputes. The lessons learned from our disputes are this. Our mind much match God's mind. We need to lean into the crucial conversations and have the hard talks. And righteous doesn't mean we have to be right. Paul in Ephesians 4, verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We're called to unity, not conformity. Oneness doesn't equal sameness. The body of Christ needs The tensions that this group might bring this group. But let's seek the mind of God as He puts together something powerful in and through the lives of people within our community. Let's pray together.